Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey everyone, welcome back to Angel Virgin. Uh, I'm your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, and with me, as always, is the gang. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, fuck, I forgot to come up with the thing. Um, by who uh, gives the most fucks? About... Yeah, by, by most fucks to least fucks. About Angel? Yeah, about Angel. Hi, my name is Travis. <laughs> I'm the one who's more insane about Angel than anyone else. Um, and it shows, I feel. My, my incredible pale skin reflects my love for this vampire series. I'm going to go ahead and say I give the second most fucks about Angel. Uh, my name is John. Uh, I'm really happy to be here because uh, I give a medium amount of fucks about Angel. And uh, my name is Michael. I am an Angel virgin. Uh, I've only seen all the way through season one of Angel. And I actually might give more fucks than John about Angel. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. But I've been fully indoctrinated watching this program with Travis. Uh, every episode. I did not watch a single episode by myself. Uh, that's a that's actually a pretty magical experience. Uh, yeah, this episode, we're going to watch the back half of season one, episodes 12 through 22. Uh, so get ready and strap in. Um, we don't have any uh, reactions, so why don't we jump right to the summary? Why don't we do a quick summary of all those episodes? The summary. Uh, I just wrote a sentence or two about each episode to keep them fresh in our minds before we start talking about them in greater depth. Um, so episode 12 is expecting. Uh, that's an episode where Cordelia gets pregnant with a Haxel beast. Has a fantastic monster confrontation at the end I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, episode 13 is she. That's the episode where a princess from another dimension brings her people and her problems with her to Los Angeles. And, and Angel rescues these enslaved women from another dimension. Uh, number 14 is I've Got You Under My Skin. That is the episode with the child exorcism in it. Uh, I'm going to just withhold my opinions about that. And episode 15 is The Prodigal. Prodigal? Uh, that's the one where Kate's father gets murdered in front of her and has a weird demon drug running story. Uh, episode 16 is The Ring. Angel's kidnapped, forced to fight in a no holds barred underground demon fighting contest. Episode 17, Eternity. Uh, once famous young actress, now a has-been, wants to live forever by becoming a vampire. Uh, episode 18, 5 by 5 Faith gets an appearance on the show. Hired, she's hired to assassinate Angel by a certain lawyer, legal agency, uh, and ends up torturing Wesley and getting knocked out. Uh, episode 19, Sanctuary. Watcher Council offers to reinstate Wesley if he kidnaps Faith, but the wheels of justice are already in motion. Uh, episode 20, Warzone. We meet Charles Gunn, Vampire Hunter, and his amazing crew. Episode 21, Blind Date. Lindsay uh, from Wolfman Heart has a crisis of faith until he gets to his own office. And uh, the weird prophecy scroll uh, gets introduced. And then episode 22, the last episode in season one, Two Shanshu in LA. A super demon quits Cordelia and Wesley in the hospital, forcing Angel to act. Lindsay gets Skywalkered, and Darla returns to the show. And I want to thank Travis for the creation of the term Skywalkered. I'm sure it's a well established term. But as soon as that happened, we were watching together. He goes, dude, Lindsay got Skywalkered. And, uh, <laughs> it's one of the more memorable moments watching Angel. All right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, so let's jump right into uh, uh, Great Lines. Great Lines. Uh, so this is an, a, a fun line from uh, the episode where, oh gosh, I can't even remember which episode this is from, Travis. The Warzone. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, they introduce a character who's like been on Mad TV. Um, it's kind of a kind of a weird dude. Uh, he's been apparently sleeping with um, demon women at a brothel, but he's excited to hang with Angel and Cordelia. And he says, uh, "You ever played Dungeons and Dragons?" And Angel says, "I've seen a few." <laughs> <laughs> so good. 
Yeah, so my favorite, I got one where uh, Sean Gunn's character, this is in, this is in the episode She, he, run, he runs this like weird resort in Palm Springs that's, uh, that's holding all the girls on ice. And Angel like, you know, shows up and he's like, he's trying to like pretend like he's got a, he's, like, he's got a cover and he's like, let's talk about the clothes vibe, which is like the best phrase to say to Angel because Angel wears all black and like, it's such a statement. And then um, like when he doesn't know that he's friends with Jira, and then like when the bad guys show up, he, he tries to stop them saying, we have hands that heal brothers. And then they just knock him out. Um, it's just like the weirdest lines. And I love this, I love this character actor because he was on Gilmore Girls at the exact same time, which is also on the same network. So that kind of blew my mind. And then uh, my next favorite line was Angel when he's like telling to, to, to Lindsay, um, don't believe everything you were foretold. And then he cuts his hand off. I would say. Yeah, that was definitely my best line. Yeah, I was really irritated that you stole it from me. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I'm my sorry. second favorite line, though, uh, is Cordelia yeah. talking to Angel and saying, uh, we weren't going to let anything happen to you. I mean, beyond the slavery and the severe beatings and stuff. You could also that same episode has some of the best lines from Wesley where he's like, there's a raid going down tonight with the man. <laughs> That's a great Wesley line. Like he's like leaning in and doing his thing. All right. Uh, why don't we move on to best and worst episodes? All right. Well, uh, I created a new category, which is best and worst. The so bad, it's so amazing. And I think that's the ring. I feel like that episode has so much going for it. It has an underground fighting ring and then just these bizarre rules around how the fighters are treated and how their world works. Uh, they, they can't step beyond a line or they're disintegrated because of uh, you know the way that they're marked. Um, it's, it's a strange episode because it felt like I was being let into another world, which you, I mean, you are constantly being led into new worlds uh, in Angel, but just that there is an underground fighting ring. It's full of just the most random, um, you know, like assortment of characters and that angel is going to fight and they they really play that through all the way and that that's that, that that's like the conclusion to it and like anyway it's kind of lovely there's so many crazy lines and crazy moments in episodes so that's best and worst and then the worst episode for me uh was blind date and blind date is just the the weirdest as fuck episode of Angel. And I think in part because Lindsay's motivation. So Lindsay is this lawyer, Wolfram and Hart. And it's like, that's the episode where he defects to Angel because he has a crisis of conscience uh, about him. And then he gives Angel and then, uh, you know, subsequently, you know, Gun all the tools they need to break into Wolfram and Hart in order to steal a scroll and some other shit. But they weren't even trying to steal the scroll. Angel's just drawn to it. It just has the most, it's the most full of plot holes episodes. And it also raises the stakes so randomly. I mean, they straight up, Wolfram and Hart straight up assassinates other Wolfram and Hart employees who, who talk about, who have talked about getting other jobs. <laughs> Which is like, again, why you should never tell your employer you're considering other opportunities or even hint at it. But it's just like, it goes into Wolfram Hart, which is such a fucked up organization, in a way I wish they would do with the Watcher Council. I mean, I, I said that this is the, the worst, but it's, it's really one of the best because it's so weird and terrible. Uh, but The Ring is, uh, I feel like this one's more convoluted than The Ring, so it's got to be the worst. And then uh, the best episode here to Shanshu in LA, which is the subsequent episode, uh, it's just, it's got the most uh, fun angel stuff in it. I mean, it takes out Wesley and Cordelia and it just raises the stakes in such a crazy way and then it has this amazing reveal of Darla at the end. It's just like a weird tour de force angel episode. Uh, but there was so much pressure on it to to do something different um, from other episodes. And I just really enjoyed it. And I felt like it was the most emotionally engaging episode because it made me really care about Cordelia and worry about her and even Wesley to some extent because they, you know, they really push on Cordelia's powers to see the, you know, to see things from Doyle that she has. And like, she's really exposed and it's like this really interesting vision of what it would like to be mad or to go insane and you're so empathetic to cordelia that you were like are very worried for her the entire episode until it gets resolved at the same time cordelia's very sweet character and then uh yeah so that's the best cool cool thank you go on for a while stop here how about in the middle of all that like heartbreak and stuff angels going through kate is also like we're friend breaking up oh totally 
Oh, I guess so. My turn next. So my best and worst is the prodigal. Um, I think it's great because of uh, what happens between Angel and Kate's relationship, and the fact that Kate's father is is murdered, and that changes things forever. Um, it's super weird because of this obsession with the adrenal gland and the whole drug running and like alchemy type thing. That's a bit weird. That's what makes it a little bit weird, but it's got like funny moments. Um, and it's got a great, a great moment where, um, Cordelia is like, it's like chopping the head off the Quaini and like, you know, you know, uh, uh, Wesley's like, you know, she's a, she's a proper girl. You know, she's, you know, talking about how she's like sort of a, a you know, refined girl. And then she's like chopping up this, this demon into body parts. Cause like, you know, that's her now. Cause you know, she's pretty awesome. Um, the worst is I've got you under my skin. Ugh, I can I've I I never rewatched that so I always skip that so it was weird to watch it with Mike and Mike actually enjoyed it because I'm like he's gonna hate this episode because I hate this episode <laughs> no it turns, turns out, out we're different people turns out we are actually different people I mean I, I you know you'd think I would have gotten it by now but no um so I was like well good for you I'm glad somebody enjoys this because I just don't and, and frankly I, I enjoy it so little I don't even want to talk about it but the best episode from season one is eternity because it's weird, it's silly, it's dark. Um, it's it's like sad because the actress in Eternity, she has continued to act, and I give her mad props for that. But she's never gotten that big breakout role, so it's kind of really, really sad. I mean, she has continued to work, and I think that's great, good good for her. I, I love her as an actress. I think she really should be um, much more widely known. Um, so there's kind of like a weird like reality where it's she's not getting the roles that that this lady in the tv show was not getting either so that's always has bummed me out but i love how when that reality crosses i mean some people be worried with their if when reality crosses into the tv shows but i'm okay i'm all for it um and i love like the mirror reveal i love when angel makes that makes her drink all this blood and it's like so disturbing and i'm like man angel really can be a bad guy you know don't forget season two of buffy folks so um that's why i love eternity because it's like a it's like it's like a buffet of, of weird angel Buffy goodness. All right, dope. Uh, I chose for best. I did five by five in Sanctuary, the Faith two-parter. I just think that shit's amazing. It's like the. I think it's it might be the strongest Faith episodes we've ever gotten. Um, I love seeing at the beginning like Faith at full psycho mode, and like like her dancing at the club while starting a big fight that doesn't affect her dancing, uh, and then like her going into like assassin mode. Um, and then, like, yeah, they go through the whole, like, she she tortures Wesley for uh, a shockingly large amount of screen time. And then, like, she has to do her whole redemption arc. And we get to see, like, the Watcher's Council, like, be full psychos and fight. Everybody fights a helicopter, which is amazing. <laughs> you find out the Watcher's Council has alchemists on it. Uh, like, I just, I think that it's, like, a great two-parter. Uh, and Warzone, I think, is cool. Cool episode. Introduces Charles Gunn. We see what the, like, streets of L.A. are really like in, vamp in this world of vampires. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't pick any of the monsters from the uh, Madam, the, from the brothel, like the, the demon brothel. I thought they looked cool. They're cool. Oh, for best, worst monsters. Oh, yeah, that, you're jumping ahead, Travis. I'm sorry. No, I know, but I was just... Okay. Um, I'm more into, like, full monsters, not the, like half monster thing okay. Like, okay i'm jumping ahead. uh i chose blind date as the worst be not because of the like wolfram and heart stuff but because dare uh, uh angel fighting daredevil is dumb uh, <laughs> it was just, just daredevil it was just daredevil <laughs> i kept thinking that the whole time no she's a bad daredevil <laughs> she's a bad daredevil she's yeah bad daredevil <laughs> Uh, and the whole like I don't know the whole like gimmick of like I have to just like stop moving so she can't find me thing. She's a T-Rex. I mean, like See, she's different. It's different. No, that would be a similar problem. With like Angel could figure out with fighting Daredevil is like he can't read my heart because my heart don't beat. <laughs> uh, similarly with like um, the yeah the vil the monsters in the ring I thought like were like really weak monsters to us and like similar with with she I just like that episode was interesting but Bai Ling like isn't a great actress and like those demons are like ah eh, what are you doing uh, I also put Eternity down there but after Travis's passion for Eternity that might have changed my mind Swayed. 
my best episode was she, which was some of your, definitely Dennis's worst. <laughs> um, so good. I hear all the thing, complaints Dennis has with she, but I really appreciate how ambitious the episode she is. Like, and I want to talk about this more in my rant, but like they set out clearly like, let's make an episode that touches on issues of human trafficking and female genital mutilation. And we're going to do it in like 40 minutes of TV on a vampire show. There's something I really appreciate about the ambition of that, even if maybe it kind of falls on its face, which I want to talk about more. I also want to like in she like, like one of the big issues that causes a lot of problems within the, the Buffy verse is like dimension travel. Like, Opening up a portal to another dimension destroys the universe half the time. But in <laughs> she, like, that's not even a plot point. Like it's the easiest <laughs> world. Yeah, agree. Well, I um, mean, hell is just another dimension at that point, right? It's what's so special about a hell mouth if people can come from other dimensions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, my worst episode was um, the episode Eternity. Uh, sorry, Travis, that was your best episode. So again, being controversial. Uh, for me, uh, the problem with Eternity is that the episode, on the one hand, like raises all these issues where it's difficult for an aging actress, and in you know, in the context of this, the aging is like late twenties, uh, to continue working, and it you know, it kind of brings up that issue, that sort of systemic issue in Hollywood. But then also, the the episode judges her super hard for being shallow, which I feel like is kind of a contradiction and is not handled real delicately or interestingly. Um, I think there's a little bit uh, of a degree to which when Angel's like squirting blood down her throat that we're kind of on evil Angel's side, which I think is creepy. Uh, so that's why, that's kind of why Eternity is my worst episode. It takes you to it's a It's just place. that it famous you scene you from uh, Sunset Boulevard where Ryder is squirting blood down her throat. <laughs> uh, yes, that old chestnut. All right, uh, let's move to best worst monsters. Well, I don't think my monster evaluation will be as thorough or as interesting as Dennis's, but my best monster, I thought, was Charles Gunn's sister in Warzone. It was uh, just a simple monster, but, you know, his his sister, you know, she gets turned into a vampire. There's a confrontation. It's really brief, and he ends up killing her. But it's a, it's kind of a dark uh, climax in a pretty dark episode. I feel like Warzone is, like, is comic is very funny but also very serious it's got the intensity of like a 80s horror at you know action film like a pre-blade maybe post-blade kind of action film yes. i mean every 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 setup feels like uh an action figure play set in that thing but yet the acting is so good that the drama really works um they, they just have picked some really great actors i think charles gunn's exceptional and i thought his sister is great too so like for throwaway characters what feel, feels like throwaway characters they're so uh it feels so real and so i really got connected to that story and so charles gunn's sister just felt like had a lot to her for that turn and uh it made me really sad when he had to kill her and then you know because it's just a bit character in a show they just move on really quickly from that but gives charles gunn this real serious backstory and then for them to just blow it on uh blind date to have him just go in and act crazy uh it was like a weird sad moment uh and then the the worst monster is the watcher council geez these guys could not be worse at what they do it feels like they have unlimited resources at their disposal but they're yeah, just apparently apparently it's actually unlimited because they have alchemists <laughs> but they are straight up like barely they're like not even a like a a protest organization like they they barely <laughs> like have they're they're just a bunch of thugs maybe i mean the fact that they're trying to recruit wesley is stupid i mean you've seen this guy why would you hey. ever hey look we've seen he's, a, he's a rogue demon hunter okay that counts for something in this what's world. a rogue demon i don't know they the watcher council is the worst they're here for a blip they're pathetic i don't know why i keep rooting for them to be big bads on buffy i just feel like they could do more writing to make these characters interesting and then they don't and so they're just the worst monster. And I chose, I guess, all human monsters as best and worst here, or humanoid monsters. That's fine. And, uh, <laughs> all right. So my best one, I, I, again, I leave the actual monsters to Dennis and, and John. But So I love pregnant Cordelia when she's acting all crazy. And pregnant women are not monsters. I'm getting that out of the way. But when she's, like, possessed by the spirit of the Haxel demon, like, acting super crazy, like, with crazy eyes and drinking the blood, I'm like... 
you, you got a Chris Carpenter. That's really good. Like, cause we, we haven't gotten to see like super crazy Cordelia, but uh, she did it awesome. And uh, so that was, that was really awesome. And then the worst watchers council. Um, but then I was gonna ask John, are, do you think the watchers council's accents are authentic compared to Wesley's? Oh, I don't know. I can't tell. I can't. But, yeah, they, they seem like so over exaggerated, but maybe they're, maybe they're legit accents. I have no idea, but I do want to say on the, about pregnant Cordelia, um, I was watching that. I kept thinking about like the, that weird trope of pregnancy horror. And Dennis, this might be a question for you. Like, cause there's so many movies that fall into that sort yeah. of like sub, sub, sub genre of, of pregnancy body horror. Like, you know, I'm thinking of Rosemary's baby and alien and a number of other things, but like so many of them are written and directed by men. Just mm. what, what up with that? Cause it's the men who are freaked out by it. Uh, Maybe, but also I don't know. I don't know why. I feel like uh, a lot of women who are freaked out by the pr- prospect of pregnancy as well. I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird thing in the world. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, I will try to think of. I'm sure Dennis can will come up with one movie directed by by a woman about pregnancy horror. I'm sure. Well, don't put I think me there's a few. I'm sure there is. Well, you don't have to do today. I mean, I actually, I just watched uh, Bird Box, which has a, a, a lot of, not maybe pregnancy horror, but definitely pregnancies of um, imminent threat. Oh, in that, in yeah. that and that's directed by a woman, although written by a man. You know what really bothers me about that movie? What's Bird that? Box. Bird Box. You don't see the monster. Yeah. And they're in Sacramento, and the sister is like, let's drive to Santa Rosa. That'll be safer. Like, that's like a two-hour drive across two valleys in the middle of an apocalypse. That's insane. <laughs> Santa Rosa is not safe during an apocalypse. Yeah, I feel like that movie's uh, way overrated. Uh, but, Are you uh, recommending it? Should we watch it? I haven't seen this one. I just I know mean, about it. I watch it so that you can have, because somebody's going to try to talk to you about it, because apparently everybody loved it. Um, I didn't. I didn't love it. I, I was fine. I hate a monster I movie where you never see a monster. It gets me <laughs> so pissed off. <laughs> One unintended great side effect of this bird box movie is that on YouTube, um, uh, videos with birds and boxes is like really shooting to the top of my recommended feed. I haven't seen bird box either, but like people are Google, people are searching for bird box on YouTube and they're getting videos of birds and boxes. And like those videos are taken off, brother. Um, I just saw one where it was like two like groups of birds were chirping at each other and it had like over 5 million views. It was cute as hell. And there were different, like, brightly colored birds. <laughs> There's a reason this is being watched now. So my favorite monster uh, out of this uh, half season of Angel was uh, the sort of maggot face demon with the mask in uh, Tushanshu in L.A. Because if you, compare it, um, if you compare it to What's My Line back in Buffy, I think what the, what the you know, Buffy Angel crew have learned is that it's not how many maggots you use that makes the monster scary. It's how you use them. I feel like that's a lesson learned. And my worst monster is the same monster before they take the mask off because with that stupid mask and the stupid like scythe that looked like, ugh, it just looks like bad tattoo art. I'm not into yeah. it. It looks like he's trying to head towards uh, the orgy. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fidelio. <laughs> so I think like it's interesting. This is interesting because like I think Mike went for like emotionally affecting monsters where I was strictly looking at like monster makeup. It didn't occur to me to, to answer any other way, but uh, they only get like a second of screen time, but the demons from five by five have this like crazy droop face. That's all like slanted to one side. And it looks like nothing that's been in Buffy before. Um, I put images of it down at the bottom of the dock. Uh, it's, they're just a really cool pattern. And then in the next episode in sanctuary, there's this bug demon assassin uh that is also really dope and has like cool coloring and like extra eyes and like eats yogurt in a gross way i don't know what they're eating. <laughs> uh but just really cool looking monster and then um expecting uh that demon being so giant and he's like all he's in that like general buffy demon mode but his face is totally um an effect instead of like the man makeup on top um and i think the combination of his sheer size and the way he dies and like uh, the face really like pump it up. Uh, I love that he dies like he gets like a combination combination of jawed uh, jaws and uh, Terminator two. <laughs> uh, so that's really dope for me. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I got. 
Uh, yeah, I added this uh, section, best worst celebrity cameo, because I just feel like there's there's a surprising amount of like small like celebrity cameos uh, in this half season. Uh, so Travis picked up uh, two of the ones I was I was hoping people would pick up. Sean Gunn. This is his second appearance this season. He's also Doyle's demon cousin in uh, that Horde episode or whatever that's called. Oh, oh, and Ken Marino. Ken Marino in Expecting. And that was a guy whose career I followed forever, and it finally took off. So if you want to see Ken Marino at the beginning of his career, watch Expecting. That was so funny because I watched, rewatched that episode Expecting with uh, Elizabeth, my, you know, with my wife or whatever. And she's like, oh, is Ken Marino going to be in this one? She said that like from minute one. So she was, <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, you're right. And I just, it's fun. Even though he's kind of a weird, weird photographer character or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't get to be full Ken Marino. Yeah, he doesn't pull out the full comedy chops for some reason. <laughs> uh, I picked Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. She's uh, the barmaid in Prodigal. Is this her first appearance in a Joss Whedon property? I think it is, yeah. Uh, you might see her again in a different Joss Whedon property. I, I don't know if it really counts as a celebrity cameo, but I really enjoyed seeing Sam Anderson. He is a character actor who I just love when he's just one of those guys that pops up and you're like yeah that guy that guy's awesome uh he uh plays holland manners who's like the um, wolverman heart boss but my favorite um example of sam anderson being in a thing um is in the star trek the next star trek the next generation episode royale he's the manager behind the desk and he does just such a great job of portraying like middle management indifference it's something that stuck with me from when i was a kid i really enjoyed that performance um, he's also really good in Lost. I mean, don't no one watch Lost ever. If you haven't watched Lost, please don't watch Lost. <laughs> don't fall for the trick of Lost. Uh, let's move on to best worst character look slash work. Uh, which I wasn't sure what this category was, so I didn't add anything. But uh, Well, we had it in the first part of Angel. We had best character look, and it was like Angel in a pink helmet was like a winner. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, so for me, I, I felt like David Nabbit, who plays the rich nerd who's seeing demon hookers, was one of the worst characters. <laughs> like, he gets, it's just the dumbest explanation of the tech community, and it made me angry as someone that, you know, works in technology a little bit, to have someone be like, I'm making so much money all the time, and I don't even know how, and I have no friends. And like, Cordelia just playing this kind of uh, sycophant that just wants to be around him to get rich, but like, and, and just doing what's required. And like that, that whole character dynamic is boring to me. And I wanted it over as soon as it started. <laughs> you didn't appreciate that he was living the opposite world of his office space life. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't appreciate that character. And then because he, he's also a pervert too, right? Because he's a he's having these sex with demon hookers a few times. Oh, or I don't think I'm a pervert. I mean, <laughs> no, let's not, not label him. <laughs> I think he's just having sex with demon prostitutes. No, he wouldn't be a pervert if he didn't talk about it like he was a pervert. He talks about these demon hookers like it's something sick and weird that he's doing. But that's like the main reason he's going to see Angel is, is to get these photos back or whatever that were taken. You know, and anyway, it's, I don't like that character. He's the worst character. Uh, and then the best, Charles Gunn. I mean, I know he only gets a few episodes, but like just out of nowhere, this character actor I'd never thought about is like, just a fun, crazy character with his badass origin. He has a cool car uh, that looks like something out of like A-Team meets Ninja Turtles. It, it just like has these freaking spikes on it. it, has a spike cannon. You can just see the action figures being like, you know, pressed pressed and molded in China while you're watching the show. So like, I, I just like this guy and I want to see more stuff with him, but I got some predictions about Charles Gunn. Uh, so I talked about the actress Tamara Gorski in Eternity already. So basically my best character really is just the, is the, is the main cast, you know, Wesley, um, Cordelia, um, uh, Angel, and, uh, you know, they just made such big strides, you know, ever since Doyle. I mean, Doyle's no longer on the show, and Wesley has come in and just totally taken over Doyle's, Doyle's position and is even, is even a lot better than that character, in my opinion. Um, and then, uh, this is one good disclosure thing, um, because when Mike and I were watching this, I accidentally called, um, Wesley the wrong name <laughs> and, uh, in real life. And Mike was like laughing at me. So, well, you have so much, um, 
whatever that this you're so invested in the show you call characters by their real names and their actor names like back and forth yeah completely interchangeably it's like they're they're real and playing their parts at the same time so like your suspension of disbelief is so non-existent and it shows in the way you watch the show and comment about the lighting and talk about the props while at the same time you're somehow invested in the story and so when you're like saying like dennis off and it's like what <laughs> oh, is that why it says parentheses my name next yeah, to Wesley? Well, I also called Wesley Dennis, and then in, in, when I was talking to Mike about him, and I was like, "Well, there's reasons," uh, and then uh, yeah, and it got confusing. And Mike laughed at me; he was real confused at me. But uh, you know, it's, he's going to be like me someday. He's going to be, which yeah. is also confusing because Wesley is also my middle name. Uh, well, that—that's why. Whoa. I, that, whoa, that's my confusion. Right, because I know your middle name. And then I know these, I don't know these characters, but it feels like I know these characters. And it's just a lot sometimes. It's just a lot. Uh, yeah, I've definitely had some experience where like, I was playing like a Ninja Turtles game with my friend Brian. And I was like, watch out, Leo. And like his wife started <laughs> laughing at me. I was like, why don't you just say watch out, Brian? Because like, <laughs> right now he's not Brian. He's oh, Leo wow. right now. <laughs> gotta commit. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna win as a turtle, you gotta commit. Uh, John, what's your best worst? Oh, I, I'm not sure I interpreted the question properly. I just sort of like put my best and worst performances, who I thought were the best and worst actors, really. Um, my my favorite uh, performance uh, throughout this has just been watching Alexis Denisov because he's, I've come to realize he's really, really good. The way that he simultaneously like portrays Wesley as like a total coward, but also really sort of like, morally upright and like actually like really brave is kind of cool i think it's a neat combination it's a neat character combination and then also like doing all of those that thing and then also simultaneously being like charlie chaplin level brilliant at physical comedy is really cool like he'll just turn he'll just turn that on for one joke and then it's gone and it's it's incredible i really 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 enjoy watching that and the worst performance i think is christian kane as uh lindsey mcdonald the wolfram and hart guy I uh, am as a southern lawyer. He's just like completely flat throughout the whole thing, which I think is kind of like on purpose because he's sort of a foil for Angel, and Angel's completely flat at least for the first like two years that we used to, we, that we knew him at the beginning. And it's only just now that Angel is like becoming an interesting character because we're finally getting some details beyond the flat exterior of Angel. But I don't want to watch Lindsay be flat for eight seasons. Uh, before we find out what's interesting about him, because right now this is uh, I don't care. <laughs> totally. Then we have the not the other category: best worst new character. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I'll do on my mini rant. So I really like uh, Lila Morgan. So she works for Wolf from the Heart. She's the uh, the other one of the other attorneys. There's three of them, and uh, she's great. She she buys Angel's contract in the ring and is super weird and is super weird with faith, but really relatable with faith and super weird with faith. She's really great. So like when she's being really relatable with faith, I'm like, you're evil, but I actually really like it when you're evil. I mean, it's, well, it's a weird dynamic. Okay. Let's just put it that way. And then best actress to come back first through flashbacks. That's Darla. Cause she's a horribly underdeveloped character in season one of Buffy. And then she comes back in non flashbacks at the end, which is so amazing. But then the best part is she originally auditioned for Buffy, the part of Buffy, didn't get it, so they cast her as Darla. So then in my mind, I know, right? Get out of your head, Travis. There's this mirror dimension where she actually plays Buffy and Buffy plays Darla, which would be like in a really insane like switch if that, you know, if that was ever made. So I get like really excited thinking about her being Buffy and then um Sir Keller playing Darla. Cause that would also wow. be like an amazing um, that would also be amazing. So were they considered that for casting for the same parts? Is that yeah, kind of they were trying she was trying to be cast as as Buffy, Darla was. Uh, Which wow. is, I think, why the beginning, why the very first scene in in Buffy works is like, you know, it's her break, her and this dude breaking into Sunnydale High School, and you know, one of them's a vampire. But you, like, there's a twist in it, and the twist is she's a vampire. But I feel like the other twist is like, because you don't know who Sarah Michelle Gellar is at this point, you think she might be Buffy. Like, you just don't know. And the other fun twist is like how she ends up playing Angel's mom in a way, right? Because she sires Angel. Yeah. And then, of course, Angel wants to get with Buffy, who looks could have played the same part, right? So it's like a... He's got well, a type. Yeah. Definitely got a type. type. <laughs> what you got to do, you find a blonde woman. You bet her. Love her. And then, then, 
God, they break up with her. Oh, man. All these blondes taking his souls. Well, yeah, that's like the whole Kate thing is great because Kate looked Kate and Kate, Buffy, and Darla all really could hang out as part of like a crew. Uh, I picked a gun. Charles Gun is the best new character. His name uh, is Gun. His name is Gun. He's got a gun. He's the third gun brother, James and Sean and Charles. Uh, I think he's definitely named after James Gun. Uh, I think that's where they got that from. Uh, all right. Uh, why don't we move on to our weirdest section, the rant section, uh, and see what happens. Mike, why don't you start with your rants? Sure. I feel like I've already started talking about this you know, <laughs> earlier, but wow, Wolfram Hart is such a fucking mess. This season builds up Wolfram and Hart as this big bad villain, and they are a big bad villain, but man, they are the most disorganized law firm that I've seen. The people there are cruel to each other and it they're killing each other like they, i can't you cannot believe how evil the organization is as it's kind of like you finally see inside its doors you know as it shows those characters perspectives in the last few episodes of this season and just like how cruel they are like that scene of the guy that looks like um uh for like a big bang theory character um you know what i'm talking about yeah okay. and, Faith smashes his face. Yeah, Faith smashes this dude's face. He looks like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. And then they shoot him in the back of the head because he's looking at another job. While we're tense thinking that Lindsay's going to get um, maybe just removed from the office, not assassinated. And then, you know, they, they're just, they're, they don't, their values don't make any sense. It's like, yes, they want to murder things and things and like cause mayhem. But like, Lindsay gets a promotion for betraying their organization. <laughs> and letting angels sneak in. And that makes so little fucking sense. And it's just a show breaking moment. It's like, why the fuck did they do that? I'm angry watching the show. I want angel and you know, I like the heist aspect of them breaking in and like, they have these psychics that are working there. Like there's so many cool Dungeons and Dragons type of shit going on at Wolfram and Hart. Like they have these psychics that are, you know, actively mentally patrolling the area for issues in addition to the surveillance cameras. So they distract them, you know, with a vampire and, you know, with uh, Charles Gunn rushing in. And then, but then like they introduce a prophecy scroll too. It's just like just a random drop of supernatural bullshit. And like, and yet it's also a legal entity that is just very thinly pretends to be a real law firm. And like that stuff is so broken and made me so angry but I also enjoyed watching it because I was like, oh man, anything can happen now. Um, and it just reminds me of this era. And this is such a stuff. This is part of the rant. This is area, an era when bad guys just wore suits. And I think it was like the era where the firm came out and when um, there was just, you know, there's corporate overlord bad dudes. And like, yes, we still live in that era. But the way they were portrayed in uh, the 90s and clearly into 2001, it's just like bad guys wearing suits and having guns. And it's just like the Wolfram Hart law firm is just bad guys in suits. And it's just so generically bad. Um, okay, so that's my Wolfram Hart thing, I guess. And But they're just from episode one of the season. It's like, these are going to be the big bad guys. You'll see. They're so fucking, they're so messy. And somehow they're going to be the bad guys for season two and season three of this show. Um, yeah, also Angel gets staked and doesn't die. So what the fuck is that? He gets staked. Um, when does that happen? Uh, Warzone, right? He gets to stake, or they is it? They obviously uh, missed his heart. It's a miss. Yeah. All right. Near miss. A near miss. It's the same as Angel basically walking around in daytime in Los Angeles. It's just like they do whatever they want on Angel, but Angel's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Angel gets real sloppy with vampire rolls this season. I will point. I pointed this out. I think before we turned the camera on, like in eternity, he busts. He breaks into her house without an invite, and there's never an explanation for that at all. Like, nope. <laughs> somehow getting around LA in those sewers. I mean, it is it is messy. It's a car that's a convertible. I mean, there's more <laughs> breaking there as well. It's a convertible, sixty-seven something. Yeah, that's a good point. You're a vampire buying a car. Do you buy a convertible? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> that's that's great. Great. All right, my rant. Why does Angel rent an office that has giant windows in every room? 
It comes up all the time. And sometimes it's total direct sunlight that does not bother him at all. And then other times when it's convenient, having those open windows is like setting him on fire. It's like, there's just no consistency. What's great is that, I mean, I also think like he just gets the best real estate deals. But then the other, my other rant is like his basement apartment, like number one, you're not supposed to live in the basement of the, of any commercial property. That's generally frowned upon from what I understand. Number two, like he has so much more furniture than you think he should have. Like even though he doesn't have a lot of furniture, like it is a lot of furniture compared to like when he was living in that empty mansion or that he's ever picked up in his life. We knew he had that glass, that glass uh, box, that glass uh, uh, display whatever. case, yeah, yeah that glass board, that glass display case. But he has like old timey furniture in his bedroom. He's got like a big bed. He's got chairs. You know, he's got like a he's got a sitting room. He's got like old fashioned looking lamps. I think what, what we've discovered is that for like close to 200 years, he's probably been renting like a storage unit and he just always brings out furniture from that when he gets a new place. <laughs> oh, and then there's like the whole, like he has no money thing that, that they joke about is a good rant. It's just like you're 200 years old and you don't have an investment portfolio. It's like, that's like a legitimate complaint. And it's not like he's unearthing like gold doubloons that he like ripped off some monastery back like 200 years ago when he robbed them. And he's paying for stuff that way. There is really no cash he uses or credit card. And so it's, it's silly and funny and they make fun of it. But yeah, I don't feel, I don't like, feel, like I feel bad for Cordelia having to organize those expenses. Totally underappreciated job. You know, there's not a, a lot of money coming in. Yeah. One of the most baller moves is when she wrote those, um, those checks to herself and made Angel sign them. <laughs> that was such a baller move because like, you know, the CEO like doesn't understand how the business works, but it's like, yeah, they'll sign those checks. And then it's like, after it starts, like, wait, what are these for? <laughs> and Cordelia's just like, I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> good rant, Trev. Uh, I was just, there's a lot of high concept episodes this season. Um, like, and some of them are just so gimmicky, like, like, I don't know. I could just really see like, I've got you under my skin is like, what if in the exorcist, the kid is more evil than the demon? Boom. What if in the, what if it's Spartacus? Oh, with monsters, the ring, boom. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just feels so elevator pitchy and like, uh, not th those episodes like are like, feel like they're not coming from like a character first, but from like a, the gimmick first um the ring came out this year this came out in 2000 which is the exact same year that the voyager episode sunkatsi comes out where seven of nine is a gladiator and fights the rock the rock really yeah the rock is in that episode wow seven of nine would totally lose to the rock i don't care <laughs> the rock is huge <laughs> i'm surprised x-files never had like a supernatural fighting ring episode x-files never did some of these feel like x-files episodes <sighs> I feel like Under My Skin just feels like it is an X-Files episode. They just yeah. like erased Mulder's name and put Angel. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. What, uh, what qualifies it as an X-Files episode? I'm just curious. Like what, what goes on in your brain that says X-Files? Yeah, is, or the whole, the whole like steps of unraveling it. Like, is it a, you know, a demon possession? Oh, uh, sure. It, okay. What kind of demon possession is it? Well, now we realize, and it's just the, that sort of like, structure and yeah that episode has good tension and starts really well and then is stupid yeah i feel like like if it was an x-files episode though like angel Mulder would from the very beginning like be like that kid's really evil and it's not the demon right like yeah Mulder right. always knows. uh whereas like angel's confused that entire episode <laughs> <laughs> i i really like what you're saying dennis about the high concept thing because angel doesn't have like a proper villain in in this arc that like, I can really get behind. I mean, really Kate, you know, is kind of, that story is like the interesting season one story of like that relationship and kind of falling out, but he doesn't, I guess Darla, the arrival of Darla is like a good emotional villain, but like, it's so high concept cause they don't have like a yeah. back. They're not pulling from his character to give you stuff. They do a couple times, right? Cause they get Jeremy Renner, you know, as this other like old vamp or whatever. Yeah, which feels very like, like how many spikes has Angel made, right? Um, and uh, my other rant is I was just trying to, like, because we've done, like, what, five seasons of Buffy Angel now. of And, like, their monsters have really reached, like, a point of, like, having, like, a classic, like, there's a classic Buffy monster. There's patterns. And it's not, it's because John Volich is the main 
makeup guy for Buffy. And like, it just happens when you got like one guy doing it, he has his patterns and stuff. So it's really fun for me to see like monsters starting to look different on Angel. And I, I, it's hard to tell when you're like, it's hard to tell with monster makeup who's doing what because like people will be credited for different things on different shows. Like how you define like your makeup department changes so much from show to show. But I think it's Glenn Hetrick who's like doing the designs that are like the interesting ones I've called out earlier. Uh, so I think he's just adding like a new visual vocabulary to the show. Um, I think that's cool. And he's got an interesting career. Like he's uh, a permanent judge on face off. So if you watch that, you'd know him. He's the kind of like old goth looking dude. Um, and he's like still doing monster ma makeup and stuff. He's on Star Trek discovery right now. Uh, so he's got like a big career. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that guy. Uh, all right, that's my rant. Uh, John, you have a, oh, more of a question? So, yeah, we didn't really have a question. We're not really going to do a question section this episode, but I did want to ask, uh, Dr. Travis, uh, as a medical doctor, um, is it possible to take a syringe with a drug in it and throw it like a dart at someone's neck in order to administer a drug? Does that work? I mean, it barely works in Jurassic Park, right? Um, <laughs> if, you're a, if you're a vet, there is like auto-injecting needles. Right. But that's not how modern medicine is practiced. I want but, to reassure everyone. With a regular syringe. If you need I've, a vaccination, they're not going to just step, put you up against a wall on a dartboard. <laughs> you know, the flu vaccine at you until they get you good. So, so no. you've never administered any sort of treatment this way? No, I've done plenty of other crazy things, but what about by blow dart? <laughs> no, nothing by blow dart. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so my actual rant is um, really connected with. I wanted, first of all, I really enjoyed watching the second half of this season, and I realized like partway through that the reason I enjoy it is because it's actually quite a bit like Star Trek, like the the way that some of the episodes are, and I think it really ties into what Dennis is talking about with there being a lot of like sort of high concept episodes. It's a thing that it has in common with Star Trek. And mm -hmm. uh, I kind of want to talk on some different episodes than Dennis brought up. Um, like, so She and Warzone. So She, as I mentioned before, and it is, is a crazy ambitious episode that really goes, like really overtly brings up um, questions about, I, no, that's not saying too much. It doesn't bring up questions. It brings up the topic. It says, here is the topic of human trafficking. And then it also says, here is the topic of female genital mutilation because the women in that episode have this like thing in their spine that is connected to their sex drive and they cut it out. Like that's what's happening. So, but then also, I don't think the episode really has a ton to say on those subjects. It just sort of brings them up and then they are there, which feels a very, yeah. like, very Star Trek thing to me. And it's a thing that I- It's more invested in the gimmick of like, these ladies are hot. <laughs> Yeah, that's part of it. Um, but like, it, it, it reminds me of, of Star Trek in that like, I think Star Trek also often does this of like, wanting to bring up a, a, an important issue, but not actually having a ton to say about it, or maybe thinking of it a different way, like wanting to bring up an important issue, but not being able to escape the writer's own point of view. Right? So like, uh, I'm thinking about the original Star Trek episode, um, this should be, uh, this shall be your last battlefield where there's the people who are black on white, black on one side and white on the other versus the people who are white on the left and black on the right. And the episode is basically like racism. That's dumb, but it doesn't have like a very rich uh, critique of racism. It's just sort of brings it up and then delivers it to you. Uh, similarly, the episode Warzone, uh, like I think deserves some credit because like it, it brings up the, the, the issue of like, if there were vampires, vampires, like every single other thing in society, would not affect everyone equally. Like it would fall along social strata. And, but then also like the episode has all these like moments that for me fall super flat where you have Gunn, who I think Mike is right, uh, the, the gentleman who plays him is an amazing actor and he does the best he can with the material. But you have him saying like, you're a middle-class white man. What are you doing here in my neighborhood? Like, it's just a lot of very flat stuff like that that just is, feels awkward. And it just feels like the writers like know enough that they want to bring up an important issue, but that's about as far as they've taken it. Um, I don't know, that's why I love this season. Cause I, 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 something I love about that. I love the ambition of it. I love the desire of it. And I love the, um, 
the wanting to be better than you know how to be. I think that that's, that's a nice thing to have, but it's also kind of fucked up and sad. <laughs> yeah. That's a great read. I really, I really like that concept of, yeah, being better than you know how to be. <laughs> Cause the uh, Warzone one also in addition to like the class warfare, I mean, it's also, there's like a gentrification story mm-hmm. in there about how the neighborhood used to be and the vampires are complaining. And so there's like a racism and gentrification story, yep. you know, and like, they're going to take care of the problem. And, uh, it's very like, it's, it's funny. Cause you see it and you're like, Oh shit, of course there are blue collar vampires that just want to get hate, hate the other, you know? And like, I feel like, yeah, they could go so much. I mean, I say go deeper. There's not much deeper to go. You're going to have them play act, you know, this racist storyline. You know, and you kind of interrupt it by introducing Angel, who's just fights for himself. <laughs> but it's a fun stage and set to throw Angel at, right? Because it's like you get these great ideas, set them up, and then put Angel in to knock the pins down. <laughs> and that's your, uh, that's your structure. Kind of sounds like Hellboy now. Yeah, actually, uh, the the ring, the episode, the ring was like a very Hellboy episode to me, especially like. In those Hellboy short stories, the same thing always happens where he's like listening to what a human says and then the human like knocks him out and he wakes up like he's like, ah, fuck, like I got tricked by this human again. And that exact thing happens in the ring. Is there, an, is there a season of Star Trek of whatever version of Star Trek that is kind of like weird and wonky like this season? You know, it's, it's that the aspirations don't meet um, the achievements. I mean, again, I think all of Star Trek is kind of that story, which is why I love Star Trek. Oh, hot take! Um, sorry, 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 Star Trek. You think you you think you mature year after year? No. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Star Trek, when it's at its best, is is those moments where its reach exceeds its grasp, and uh, that's what I like about it. Yeah, yeah, and shouldn't you be trying to exceed your skills? Exactly. Right. Uh. recommendations so i i really needed to recommend sunset boulevard uh this episode um just for the the eternity episode uh and then spartacus for the ring uh i mean you know i'm sure i've recommended the exorcist before but the exorcist for under your skin or whatever um and then for like like john pointed out there's like a shit ton of pregnancy horror so I think I've already recommended Sunset Boulevard. Uh, Eraserhead is like the most frightening pregnancy horror. Uh, and uh, Dagon has some weird like trying to get pregnancy horror. Oh, Jesus, Dagon. <laughs> Stuart Gordon, H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, but those are my recs. Uh, yeah, why don't we do predictions? Virgin Predictions. Okay, predictions. So at the moment, Michael, uh, your accuracy is at 61%. Let's see if uh, this half season of Angel floats you up or down. So uh, going back to the end of season two of Buffy, Mike, you predicted that Homeless Angel is going to appear again. Now, I think that we actually had this because uh, we had a flashback to a version of Angel that was still sort of, I don't know, Victorian era, maybe, maybe before. And he's, uh, he's a monster. And he's like, I'm a monster. You, that, oh, that angel who's like, I'm a monster. You have to kill me. Red is very homeless to me. It's not the exact same homeless angel we saw before, but I think uh, we should confirm Mike's prediction that homeless angel is going to appear again. Dennis and Travis, what do you think? Uh, I don't think that's the one Mike predicted. I mean, not to spoil anything, but Mike will get this right. So I don't think we have to <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. When yeah. Angel's homeless living in New York City uh, with Whistler. Oh my God. <laughs> did you predict with Whistler? Can we no, he, no, he didn't. No, no I'm not going to say with Whistler. It just says homeless Angel is going to appear again. Yeah, that, let's, not, let's, let's just revisit that later okay all right (laughs) very well okay michael predicted at the end of season three that faith will go to la in season four you got that one there's no way of shutting that prediction down (laughs) we have it it is a well-established precedent if uh the listeners don't know that 
when we say season four, that, you know, that's season four of Buffy, which coincides with season one of Angel, so we count those as the same thing. Uh, similarly, Buffy will go to LA to stop Faith in season four. I Damn. believe that happens as well. Damn good, Ken. Good one, Mike. Only she okay. can stop her. It's her demon. Wesley hey, will try to sleep with Cordelia in season four slash Angel season one. I believe that has not happened. I don't think there's any sign from Wesley this season that he's tried to sleep with Cordelia. I think that is in their past at this point. Uh, Dennis and Travis, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Or denied, rather. Confirmed denied. denied. Okay. This is a confirmed denial from our team. Confirmed denial. Okay. Uh, Mike also predicted, this is again, end of season three, that the Watcher Council will try to kill Angel. It's a well done prediction there. That's confirmed. Not how I expected them to do it. Okay. You didn't think they'd try to kill him with a helicopter? (laughs) I love the crazy ass jump Angel does to get on the (laughs) helicopter from. Like, not even from the roof, but from a story down through the sky. Like, it's so, so crazy. Is it? Is it the $6 million man music that's like... That's the music I hear in my mind when he jumps. I mean, he did it blind. The chances that he'd, like, land into the helicopter blades were the same as, like, land where he wanted. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. All right. So the last time we watched Angel, when we watched the first half of this season... Michael predicted that Faith and Angel will team up. Now, this is a little bit more ambiguous. Uh, Dennis and Travis, do you think that, you know, Angel's desire to rehabilitate Faith and Faith sort of going along with that plan, does that constitute a team up? Well, I'd I'd say Faith, Angel, and Buffy all team up to fight that helicopter. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I guess that is is a pretty literal team up. Do you have any problem with confirming that? No. Okay. Wow. Michael predicted that on that same occasion that the Watcher Council will be a villain on Angel. That has also clearly happened. This is Confirmation City, Michael. You're doing very well. I, I'm very excited. You like, you feel know. like you're not, you, you look like you're not prepared for this many confirmations. Like, I am My not. body doesn't know how to handle this much. <laughs> okay, so this one I, I may need a bit of help um, with the timeline. Um, so in S- Buffy Season 4, Episode 16. <laughs> Michael predicted that the next time we see Faith after that will be on Angel. Yeah, I think is that accurate? That's one where she left on the in the train. So I'm sure it's the second of the two parter when she wakes up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's confirmed. Well, I, mean, as well. it, I mean, I don't know how to break this to Mike, but um we weren't watching like my other WB shows and sh- and so there was no risk of her showing up on Gilmore or anything else. We only watched Buffy and Angel, so <laughs> That would be great if she showed up as Faith. <laughs> In Stars Hollow, it's like new it's like with this crime wave through Stars Hollow. We're only watching two. I guess she could have shown up on Buffy again before Angel. Did they, they did not put Buffy or Angel on other shows. Just Buffy yeah. and Angel, right? No, it's not like uh, this was before the days of like. An expanded universe. Arrowverse. Like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after that parade of confirmations, that, that veritable feast of confirmations michael you have risen from a 61 percent to a 61.8 well done sir thank you very much i couldn't have done it without you yeah just the way the math works on this is that the more we do it the less dramatic it gets it's sort of something we didn't think about when we started doing it is that just every single prediction that you uh that you win or lose it's a smaller piece of the overall pie so uh we're just sort of like Oh, hey, I, there, there's one I wanted to address. I just found it. Sorry. Uh, in season three, episode 17, Mike predicted Angel will, pretend, will pretend to become Angelus again, but to be funny. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That's why I didn't bring that one up. Address that since he didn't become, he, he like half became Angelus again. <laughs> Yeah, I thought about bringing that one up, but again, he, he wasn't really pretending as far as the episode. I watched that carefully because I think there's um, some, you could make the argument that he was doing it on purpose, that he wasn't really Angelus, that he was just fucking around to like, as to like, you know, to Black Snake moan her into being a better person, um, which is really an effed up thing to do and is definitely not funny if that's the case. Um, 
<laughs> so in any case, I think we're going to leave that one open. Yeah. Because I don't think that uh, he was pretending to be Angelus to be funny. I just wanted to call it out. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it broke Travis, apparently. Yes. The 61.8 stands. I think it's some of the insane things Michael like predicts. Like, <laughs> how is that funny? I, Angel just knows that that's in his back pocket as a magician. Something Angel has zero comedic timing. Anyways, moving on, moving on. He's the world's best actor. Okay, so I have new predictions for Angel, I guess. But if they come true on Buffy, that's fine with me. Um, okay, so there'll be no more references to the Odin Tal dimension. Um, the Odin Tal dimension is where the women who are being sex trafficked are from. Um, and she. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think Faith is on a redemption arc. And she's not going to attack Buffy or Angel again. I think, okay, so wait, specifically, Faith will not attack Buffy or Angel again. Because saying Faith is on a redemption arc, that's present tense. That's not a prediction. Okay, Faith will not attack Buffy again. Faith will not attack Angel again. Okay, those are separate predictions. Uh, they better be. Yeah, from I each other, wanna... but also separate from Faith will continue on her redemption arc. Faith will continue. Faith is on a redemption arc for season five of Buffy and season two of Angel. I don't think, but I, I don't think she's going to appear on Buffy, really. I think she's an Angel problem now. Well, that's another prediction altogether. Faith, Faith is a, will become a cast member on Angel. Faith will become a cast member on Angel. With- yeah, like she'll be in the credits. Okay. The opening credits. She just seems like that's the show where she belongs. And I was impressed and surprised by what they pulled out of the Wesley Faith relationship. So I feel like that's something you'd want to play with some more because there's a good story of Wesley not no longer as a watcher in the same way that Giles is no longer a watcher, you know, looking after her. And I feel like there's a real fun arc there that they will not be able to resist because it's so meaty. Um, so Wesley will look after uh, Faith. Whether she likes it or not. Uh, Wesley and Cordelia will kiss again in season two of Angel. That happened. It was like kind of a joke uh, gag thing where Cordelia was trying to transfer her Doyle powers to people. And so she gave him a kiss. I think she kissed Angel too. Anyway, uh, she's going to kiss Wesley in season two. And this sexual tension is going to continue. It's just a broken part of this show. Um, even though Cordelia is sleeping with other dudes. Uh, but it doesn't bother Wesley like it, like it would have if this was on Buffy. If it was on Buffy, he'd be losing his mind. Um, Charles Gunn will get hired by Angel's Detective Agency. I'd like to see Charles Gunn move into the agency. I mean, he seems like a one-off dude that's just like you hire him when you need you have, uh, your problems. They need like a crazy solution. But uh, I think eventually Charles is going to move into that detective agency like it's going to get a little bigger um we're gonna have another assassin hired to kill children it's just like they're universally evil so there was the assassin that went after the future psychic children in blind date and i think we'll get another not another blind assassin but just assassins that are hired to kill children for reasons and like they're going to be different who the heck knows they're not going to be prophets necessarily but like damn Love, love killing children. There's, so, there's like evil children on Angel in a way there isn't on Buffy. Even though there, we had evil children on Buffy, I feel like Angel's evil children are darker. Though they're not as, the characters who play, the, the actors who play them are not as good. <laughs> 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 I'm just thinking about the, the one or whatever, right? The, or Hansel and Gretel. Oh, God. Our favorite. <laughs> uh, Lindsay will eventually run Wolfram and Hart. I mean, he, they kind of imply that he's moved up in the world after betraying Wolfram and Hart, but, you know, there's another room up, up a floor, you know, it keeps going up. There's always uh, more floors when you never specify uh, how big uh, the building is. And I'm going to go ahead and say there is a portal to an evil dimension in Wolfram and Hart. And that could, could be hell, but there's a portal to an evil dimension there. Uh, Wolfram and Hart... And uh, uh, Darla will be a villain in season two of Angel. There's just no way that they resurrected her after killing five or six vampires, whatever that was, and not going to use her. So she'll be a villain. Um, Wesley doesn't have a place to live. 
this is just a general prediction. I don't think we've seen his house. Um, I don't think he has one. I think he sleeps in the car or in the detective agency. And I just want that verified where someone's worried about Wesley not having a place to live. So may, may I modify that just slightly to say we will learn Wesley doesn't have a place to live. <laughs> yeah. And then Kate and Angel are going to work together in season two. I think that they're over their makeup break, their, the breakup part of that arc. And I think they'll, they'll be forced to work together again in season two. Probably to get this woman named Darla. Cool. All right. I think that's predictions. I was thinking up a, um, a, a waiting factor because as you said, John, the, the predictions now don't, don't mean as much. So it's like a prediction season one shouldn't meet, shouldn't have like so much of a wait because Mike doesn't understand the show, but a prediction in like season five or six should have like a, a 1.5 or two times wait because wow. like it hurts him more or helps him more. Right. You know, oh, like a game show where they like try and give you, <laughs> Get everybody on the same playing field, you know, at the end. I think if we're, if we're going to have to do that, then I think there should be some um, consequences. Consequences? Well, that sounds exciting. Why don't we uh, discuss this off camera? We should. Uh, but <laughs> in the meantime, we'll say goodnight, folks. Um, I've been your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, make sure to watch, uh, listen to new episodes of Buffy Virgin, the name of the sexual podcast. Uh, you can... Like us, rate us, subscribe, please. Um, uh, if you comment, we will read it online. Probably, uh, we will read it on the podcast. Probably. Uh, so yeah, thanks for watching, and we'll see you in L. <laughs>